Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We're all stuck at home, but we all can turn to books for company. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Complete Picture Book Submission System. You have one chance to make an impression with an agent or editor with your picture book submission. The Complete Picture Book Submissions System will help ensure yours stands out above the rest. Created by New York Times bestselling author Emma Walton Hamilton and 12 by 12 Picture Book Challenge founder Julie Headland. The Complete Picture Book Submission System provides an easy-to-follow, step-by-step, foolproof process for every aspect of crafting submissions. No more fear. No more guesswork. No more reinventing the wheel each time you submit a new manuscript. To get their seven-step submission checklist, visit picturebooksubmissions.com today. That's picturebooksubmissions.com. It's going to be better for your writing too, you know, to not like have that pressure on yourself and then, and to just be able to write with passion. Like that's, I mean, everything sounds amazing. How do we connect with family when words won't do? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 579. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Katrina Moore the author of One Hug and Grandpa Grumps. One Hug is Katrina's picture book debut. It's about what a hug can mean to someone else and speaks to the nature of hugs as a means of comfort, communication, and companionship. Grandpa Grumps is about communication between generations despite a language barrier. The earnestness of the main character in this story as she tries to interact with her grandpa, is something I found to be so sweet and so genuinely childlike. Each of these books is quite special in their own way, but this guest is also really special to me personally. Katrina was my first critique partner. Seeing her books published and finding them to be stories of my own heart makes me feel a special closeness to her. Perhaps you've shared similar feelings toward the authors of the books you love, a kinship, transcends words. I hope this conversation does that for you in some small way, too. Please welcome my guest, Katrina Moore, the author of One Hug and Grandpa Grumps. Hello, I'm Katrina Moore. I'm a children's book author, and I'm also an elementary teacher. I've been teaching for about 10 years, and most recently, my picture book, One Hug, um, debuted in December of 2019. It's a book about an exploration of hugs and the ways that they connect us and bring family together. It's about a little boy and his family welcoming um, their immigrant relatives and the long-awaited hugs that come with that. 
And in April, I have Grandpa Grumps coming out. That's illustrated by Cindy Yan and coming from Little Bee Books. And it's about a little girl who's meeting her grandfather for the first time. He's coming from China and she has high hopes for their week together and everything just seems to flop and she can't figure out why her grandpa is so grumpy. I'm really excited about these books coming out. I have more on the way that I can't yet talk about, but um, these have kind of been occupying my heart and my time so far. So I'm excited to talk more about them. <laughs> and we're friends, so I get to hear <laughs> yes. about them. We just don't do it on record. <laughs> yes, this is very exciting. I mean, we, Matthew, you've been there from the beginning before I mean, there were any books. You were my very first writing too. partner. That's yeah. very sweet. And I, and we continue to share and to critique and to support each other in life. And as you move yes. all around the East Coast, and I stay in one spot. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of me, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's it's been it's been really cool to have a friend that comes from teaching, but also comes from valuing story and wanting to tell her own story, uh, and to see to see you go through those steps of of acquiring an agent of selling books, of having rejections and having um, acceptances, offers and, and edits and just all the things that I know are, are stages, are parts of the process to, to be able to, I don't know, be like here cheering you on as you go. That's pretty rad. Like Katrina, the nerding out moment that we had when we ran into each other at ALA. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> And tried to cram, like, years of not seeing each other into 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, that, that kind of stuff is, I mean, I value you for, for your friendship and for, for your partnership in writing. And, and just, uh, I'm super excited to get to celebrate you today because I got lots of words that I've been saving and not telling you <laughs> so that I can say them to you on record. Oh, well, that means so much to me. I mean, you've, you've been, you've been there from the beginning. And like you said, there have been so many different stages. And this whole writing journey has been full of ups and downs. And so I think it's really important to have people who can support you through that, but that also really get it. And so as you've said, it's just really special that we started out teaching together and writing together. Both of our writing has grown and changed and um, what we've needed professionally. And so it's been really nice to have that, um, that level of support from you. And it's been really exciting with um, actual books to hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, what was the first book that sold? Did One Hug sell first and come out first? One Hug sold in, yes. Okay. It sold August. 2017 and then it came out December 2019 and wow I've, I feel like years have gone by that I was mean, like two and a half years have gone ago. by <laughs> yeah, well, okay and then um, Grandpa Grumps sold shortly after that I believe it was okay. April of 2018 and then um, is coming out this April so both have um, had about a two-year publication process cool why don't we start with one hug okay because i want to talk about both but but one hug um one hug is first one hug is the baby yeah one hug is um a book that i've been sharing a lot with folks and i don't know if you heard um on on the other podcast that i do on on um kid lit these days i included one hug in a in a like a mock book box a gift box yes um, i did hear that that making... was really exciting <laughs> we were making book boxes and i was like oh i've got an entire box that this book can go with um i <laughs> i love this book and how this is the deception that i love but how deceptively simple <laughs> your rhyme scheme is. It just flows. It reminds me a lot of Andrea Dudney because oh, that's I a think, high compliment. Well, Thank I think you. <laughs> when you can read Llama Llama front to back and just like get into that rhythm from the first stanza, 
that's a pretty solid thing. Um, yeah. and this book all told probably has like what, 50 words, maybe, <laughs> maybe like 12 different words, but 50 yeah. words total. <laughs> I, it's brilliant. I, I mean, t- yeah, I, <laughs> to, to be able to have books about what it means to be intimate with one another, mm-hmm. what it means to transcend language with one another in the way we care for one another, but, but to just hug and to be close and, and, and to have, again, a hugs be a, a communication of, of intimacy and closeness. But as Julia so illustrates your story, there's also a whole lot of different kind of hugs in different situations for hugs, but they're all things that, that sort of physically and metaphorically bring us together. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you, you brought that up because I, you know, that's really what we were going for. We really wanted to create this book that, you know, is deceptively simple that, you know, when you first pick it up, it's a book that you can read at bedtime um, with, you know, with a little one on your lap. And it's, it's simply a book exploring hugs, but then there are layers and you look at it again and you look at the art and even children, young, the youngest readers pick up on the art and the narrative that's being told. And they, they're able to dig deeper into that. And Julia was really the perfect illustrator for this because when I first saw her art, I mean, it was, it was beyond my wildest dreams. I couldn't imagine characters this cute um, come to life. And the way that she captured joy and warmth in her illustrations, it, it really just blew me away. And it just kind of set this, um, this sweetness for the book, but then also um, just made it really emotional, I think, um, emotionally resonant. And I just love the spread where um, it's other hugs were made to last and oh, it's the grandma gonna, hugging yeah. all the children. Um, and you can just see like each child has a different expression um and you can see the little sister who is um feeling really timid you can see the joy from the grandmother it's just it's really special and and she does that throughout the book where she just conveys um this emotion that really just elevates the text and so i was really really um i was so grateful to be paired with her and it's you know as you know um I didn't choose, you know, we didn't come into this project together. Um, When the project was acquired, we didn't have an illustrator yet. And then um, the publisher and my brilliant editor, Mabel, um, you know, suggested Julia and I, when I saw her art and they presented it to me, I said, yes, (laughs) she's, she's the one. Um, It just, it just felt right. It really is soft and sweet art. Yeah. And I love that she has kept... Let me let me back up and put it this way, Katrina. As you know that I'm a librarian and I, I yeah. teach many a thing in the library, but digital citizenship is one of the things that I teach. And um one of the the, the concepts we're actually teaching this month, um, as we do uh once a month a digital citizenship lesson, is consent. And okay. and and because our darlings love to hug each other all the time or touch each other's hair or do this Never. or do that. And with technology, we need to be aware of too. Like you can't just take a photo of someone. You need to, all these things we ask for consent. But in, in this case, you, you or you and Julia keep these hugs within a family. And as yeah. said, there's, we see different children with different needs within this family. And I think that that's really beautiful that she, uh, through her art has saved space for siblings being different. I think that that's a, a nuance mm-hmm. that is not directly in your text, uh, but is something that that will help all children feel seen. Uh, and I think on repeat reads, uh, children will, will notice those different emotions. I found that to be really something that I walked away from and thought that that was something that I hadn't noticed in books I've read before. And it it caused me to start looking more closely at, especially when we're seeing families, how is, how, how are families being illustrated in relation 
to one another and how different people react in different circumstances. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling and unlock your creative potential with a team of story coaches and published professionals helping you achieve your creative goals. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. I'm glad you picked up on that um, as well, because I, I do think that that's really important to, to really capture what families authentically are like. Um, and we are different, you know, and, and we, can, we can't just go assuming that ever, everyone wants a hug um, or that every hug means the same thing as well. And so in writing a book about hugs and exploring how meaningful um, a hug can be and how different a hug can be, I thought it was also really important to um, show that not only through hugs, but just through connecting with family members in different ways, um, brings us together in, um, in different ways as well. And that one hug doesn't mean the same as another hug. And, and, um, and I really love that spread where, um, the brother is inviting his younger sister into, um, the dumpling making with the grandma because, He's not just, you know, pulling her over. He's he's extending an invitation. So he's making it a safe space for her. And he's, um, you know, allowing himself to be the one um, to bring her in because she's comfortable with him. And I just think that that's a really nice message for children to see as well, for them to look at this and say, hey, I, I can be that person. You know, I can do that. Um, when I've read this to young children, I'm amazed at how much they pick up from, from all of it and just, you know, the little details. And, and they say things like, oh, look, she's, she's not sad anymore. Like, she, you know, she's sitting on her grandma's lap and, and look, she has her hands on the table now because, um, you know, she's ready, she's ready to make dumplings and she wasn't ready before, um, you know, and this is like a three-year-old. <laughs> so yeah. their children are really, really smart. And I think that, um, respecting them and seeing them for for who they are is really important so that's something i always strive for in my work i think that you have a book that can be reread so easily and and is so easy to return to um it invites it's important to have that nuance in the art because it invites closer look and it invites an investigation of complexity and that's it's just it's 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 special <laughs> i like it do you mind if i read to you thank you Katrina? Oh, can i read please you? do we're talking around this book and we're talking around julia's art which you know works really well on a podcast <laughs> i always realize like <laughs> let me describe to you what i'm looking at also i'm sure that you're not looking at <laughs> right, that you're not looking at i'm sure also for the listeners it's wonderful that um they just hear nothing but me flipping pages over and over right next to the microphone. Sorry about that. But anyway, your text starts or or goes rather quickly. I'm going to take us right up to dumplings. It goes one hug, two hugs, sometimes three. Hugging makes us family. Some hugs nuzzle nose to nose. Some hugs lick and tickle toes, chasing, racing to and fro. Sometimes hugs are on the go. Open arms that swoop around. Some hugs whoosh you off the ground. Some hugs wait for years and years. Some hugs cradle falling tears. Some hugs spin you super fast. Other hugs were made to last. One might need a hug right now. Could you help to show them how? I want to stop there because that is that is the the first opportunity, and there there are there are several that follow that you invite the reader into that space that you've been sharing what hugs are through this family uh, reuniting, but, um, but then you ask the reader about them, and and I like that. 
that it's sort of that acknowledgement that I mean, when we think of hugging, it's that acknowledgement of, do you need one too? Come on in. Here, this hug right. is big enough for you too. Come on in. Um, it just, it just works in that way. So I wonder, I don't know that I ever read this manuscript and it doesn't matter. I wonder when this manuscript was, was when an editor acquired this manuscript, if it, if it looked the way it, it appears in the final book, if much changed. Much changed. Okay. <laughs> Much changed. Yes. Um, the heart of this manuscript has stayed the same. Um, and the overall concept and what I had envisioned this book to do, the rhythms has stayed the same. Um, and the beginning, I want to say maybe the beginning stanza, one hug, two hugs, sometimes three, hugging makes us family, is quite possibly one of two stanzas that has remained the same the other one, the other one would is definitely um some hugs wait for years and years some some hugs cradle falling tears mm. um because i think those those two stanzas were always at the heart of this um when i first wrote this um i actually wrote it as an exploration of hugs within, I believe it was like four different families. And it was a pair and the, um, I always envisioned the narrative coming from the art because I, I wanted the text to stay um, simple and rhythmic and to, and to kind of carry us through um, these deeper stories um, that were being told in the, through the art. And it was originally four families. And then, and as I was writing and rewriting and really getting to the core of the story, I realized um, that what I really needed to do was focus in on the family um, and the storyline that was most resonant to me. And so that was the family um, where there was there was a little child welcoming um, their immigrant relatives over and that long awaited hug, you know, some hugs wait for years and years and what it's like when you're, when you're holding out that hug. And that one really stuck with me because when I was um, three, my grandparents came over from China and I never met them, you know? And so at three, you, you what do I remember now from being three? Not much, but I remember this because we were at the airport and I was with my parents and all I kept thinking about was like, will they like me? And what, you know, what will it be like? So I was thinking about myself. I was three. Um, I wasn't really thinking about my parents and what it was like for my dad, who hadn't seen his mom and dad in over 10 years at this point. And it didn't, I, I wasn't able to even process it really at the time. But I remember very clearly being um, with my parents standing like at the bottom of the escalator and my grandparents coming down those escalators, um, those escalators and my dad, who I, at this point had never really like seen cry ever. You know, he's always been strong and, and, um, you know, he, he held his emotions in. If, if we hugged him, he would, you know, give us a little pat, but, um, was never one to really like give us big hugs back, which now that's changed. <laughs> um, but at the time, that's that's kind of how it was. And when he saw his parents, he just broke down and he was crying. And I, it was the first time I saw my dad cry. And I, I couldn't understand it, but I, it stayed with me all this time. And then years later now, reflecting on that, I'm, you know, I think that stuck with me. It's like, oh, my gosh, he waited. He waited 10 years for that hug. You know, he in that time he had. He had put himself, you know, he came over here right before college and then he put himself through school. He worked hard. He got married without his parents seeing it. He started a family. He had, um, you know, three kids at this point. And now he was seeing his family for the first time, um, his parents. And I really wanted to capture that because I know that so many other families go through that too. Um, and so I wanted to find a way to, to kind of bring out that emotion and then um, make it an exploration of hugs within one family so that we could really focus on that. Um, and so we went through a few, um, 
a few, well, I say a few, I, I mean, it's probably closer to like 50, I think by the time it, um, it went to final art. And even then, um, I remember the manuscript was accepted. My, my text was, um, you know, it, I think, um, it was accepted and then it went on to art and then we had to make a few changes because once, um, Julia started illustrating, there were some stanzas that were very beautiful, um, but they didn't really follow the storyline as much. And so then we had to change a few of those. And then in final art, um, again, we had to, we had to change a few things. So it was very much a collaborative process and it was um, a team of people working together to bring out um, the heart of this story as much as we could and to really, um, you know, have the text and the art elevate each other and form this really nice marriage, but then also, um, you know, give, give more than, than each could on its own. Yeah. The, the <laughs> phrase that you and I, I think both keep coming back to, um, that's done so beautifully because I think for those listening, you could get an impression or you could, you could predict what would be in the art and you'd be wrong, which is the phrase that says, um, the stanza that reads some, what is it? Some hugs wait for years and years, others cradle falling tears. I think it's so easy to assume in that text that it's going to be someone's in pain and mm -hmm. injured, hurt, falling down and like a parent comforting a child. But in this case, it is absolutely a parent comforting a child. But as you said, it's, 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 it's a, an aged parent comforting an adult child. Mm -hmm. And the moment is, is of happiness and of, of, of longing and missing. And it's such a beautiful beat to land on that. It, it's just, it, it transcends Katrina. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's, you know, I can only take half the credit for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a, a beautiful book. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say it's one that uh, not only does read aloud so well, but it's one that we have easily read over and over and over. And my kids, Aww. well, my daughter, I, I got to be honest about this one. My, <laughs> my boy loves to hug me, but our daughter um, is the hugger of the family. And she will ask, God bless her, that she always asks for consent. Daddy, do you want a hug? Of course I want a Aww. hug, baby. <laughs> do you want a run hug? And Aww. she will stay there, daddy. And she will go, <laughs> Katrina, across the room. <laughs> and then she will run at me. <laughs> <laughs> barreling at me to jump up and hug. And it's very sweet, but it's, it's, at, we have a lot of books about hugs more mm -hmm. than I realized when I started searching up hug books. Yeah. But, and maybe that's good because different people need different kind of hug books, just like different people need different kind of hugs. But this is, this is the hug book that, that I'm so glad to see in our world. And the last time I talked about a hug book, I looked it up. It was way, 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 way back when I, I spoke to Scott C on the podcast about the hug machine. Oh, which I love. So that's, <laughs> yeah. That's... So mm -hmm. I, ju I just feel like it, it, it takes the, the right voice to tell it the way you did. And I'm really, I'm really proud of you, Katrina. I can say that because I know you. Oh, I'm proud well, of you that you. this is something that you wrote and you brought to the world. Um, you, I think, so beautifully transitioned us to talking about Grandpa Grumps. So if you're okay with that, I'm going to yeah. um, switch over to, to your upcoming book, which actually by the time okay. this episode publishes, will be right around your release. Uh, so you already mentioned earlier in in the show that... This is a story about a, a granddaughter meeting her grandfather for yeah. the first time. What I believe you did not mention, although the title <laughs> might give it away, is how stoic this grandfather is <laughs> and how almost statuesque he appears throughout the book. Like Cindy has done a great job of just not 
allowing this grandpa <laughs> to break I don't I want to say to break character. She she in doing that also presents this granddaughter who who will win over the heart of her grandfather who I just have to imagine by the way the story is presented she just innately loves this man who I assume her parents have probably told her a lot about in anticipation <laughs> of his visit but she is like oh you you are going to like me yeah yeah is going to like me yeah <laughs> she's not having it any other way <laughs> so that's right um and I just I mean and that's why I think that um the art in this book I mean starting from the cover like I cannot look at this cover without just laughing because okay, describe the cover for us for those that haven't seen <laughs> okay. it it'll be in the show notes but describe it so the cover shows grandpa grumps um the title written in crayon and it just gives this like it, it just sets this book up to have this childhood sensibility and you're you're just in daisy's world um it's a pink it's, there's pink wallpaper, and then Grandpa is sitting on Daisy's um, pink stool, and he's got um, a gray button-down shirt and a green sweater vest, and he, <laughs> he's squatting down on her stool, and she has a boa wrapped around him, and she's placing a hat with flowers brimmed around it on his head, and he is just sitting there allowing her to decorate him and accessorize <laughs> but also, him. But also looking off <laughs> to like a blank spot on the wall. Looking <laughs> like he's drilling a hole through the opposing wall with his eyes as Daisy is just in her element and, and just continues to fully accessorize him. And so I just think it captures each of their characters so well, just in this one image. Um, and it carries throughout the book. And so it's really fun and funny to see um, Daisy attempt and then seemingly fail at getting her grandpa's affection. And all oh, she yeah. wants is for him to smile and he will not smile for her. Another um, detail on the cover that I loved, I was obsessed with this detail is that Daisy, you, you mentioned that Grandpa, that Yaya is sitting on a pink bench. What you did not mention is that to reach Grandpa's head, to reach Yaya's <laughs> head, Daisy has to stand on a bench. And she is standing on a bench that is taller. And <laughs> I am a tall man. And so me in this situation, I know I would have sat down on that tall bench first. Right. And that this girl probably told Grandpa he needs to move to the other bench so that she can reach his head. <laughs> like that's just it's just it's just great it's so good there's so much there's so much to read on that cover i mean a, yeah it's picture books you've always been able to judge a picture book by its cover i feel we we constantly um you know break down that that old adage of, of not being right. able to judge because i i know that art directors and artists pour so much time into making sure that cover is just right and hoping that it lands because so often in the elementary school, especially in, 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 in classrooms, we love to face a book out. Yeah. And that's, what's going to get a kid to grab it. If it's got a great cover, we want that. But to, to say sincerely that I think you can turn to a random page in this book and Cindy has given you an illustration that you can't look away from Right. She, I mean, she, she, I, this is my book, but this is her book. I mean, this, she really, I mean, she puts so much of herself in here. And, um, I had the opportunity to, I, <laughs> when we did the, um, cover reveal for this on, um, Pragmatic Mom's blog, I got to interview her and, um, I really, I, I was so curious because she imagined, these characters and gave them so much life. And I, it was like, this was her story. And I said, how did you make grandpa? Like, how did you make? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so perfect because he looks 
like I think he looks like my yeah yeah and she has <laughs> never met him and she has never seen a picture of him and she actually created him based off of um, a combination of her two grandfathers and so oh. I thought that was kind of perfect um, and she I mean she just got these characters and then all the little details that she put throughout the house and the setting. And it just, I felt like this was my house. Um, and really it was her house. And I think that's the power of, um, you know, of books and of how they connect us and how we can see ourselves in books, but then they can also be so universal in that way. Um, and then my favorite uh, thing that she did was this cat. There oh, is no word. mention of a cat in the text. And yet this is not Grandpa Grumps now without this cat. Like this cat is an integral character. But do you not feel, do you not feel also, (laughs) and I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but do you not feel that this cat seems to share the same expression that yeah, yeah does. Yeah. (laughs) So therefore Daisy has got to be like primed to have a person in her house isn't fully willing to show like to exhibit joy the way that she's used to the way that she's used to exhibiting joy. I feel like the cat was almost like a practice. Yeah. Yeah. For her. (laughs) I, I completely agree. And when I first met this cat, I thought, of course she has a cat. And of course this is the cat that she has. Um, and even in the, in the opening spread, it's, um, the text reads, on Sunday, Daisy double-checked her list. This would be the best week ever. Yeah, yeah, was coming to visit from China. She couldn't wait to meet him. And the art shows Daisy looking out her window um, in anticipation of yeah, yeah, coming. And she's holding her cat up to the window as well. And the cat's, exp- <laughs> the cat's got like <laughs> limp paws because she's, she's holding him up. And he is grumpy. He's, he's growling at the window. Um, and she has this big smile plastered on her face. And so I just thought, this is so perfect. Um, everything about this art was really meant to be. Um, and it's really funny, actually, because when I first sent this manuscript to, um, to my agent, and she read it, and she started hysterically crying. She said, I, she said this, yes, like this, this is going to be a book. And she said, I think it was a, it was a Friday night. Um, and she didn't mean to open it, but she did. And she, um, and she said, I'm now hysterically crying on a Friday night. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, but she very shortly sent me afterwards. And this was before, um, this was before we sent it on submission. This was before it got acquired. Um, she sent me a link and she said, by the way, I know who the illustrator is because this is who I'm picturing. And it was Cindy. And, you know, you don't, knowing that we're going to send this manuscript and we may or may not get a say with who the illustrator is going to be. Um, I didn't want to get my hopes up, but I, you know, when she sent that, I checked out um, her art and I've I thought, yes, I mean, she's, she's perfect. I would, I would love for her to illustrate this book. So then when it got acquired um, by my editor at Little Bee Books, um, Charlie, he, he chose the illustrator with, um, with the Little Bee team. And he, he sent me her name and her link as well. And he said, this is who we're thinking of because I really think that she's the perfect person to illustrate this book if you're on board, you know, we want her to illustrate it. What do you think? And he also sent me her and I said, um, yes, this is perfect. And I had to tell him as well that, um, that my agent had also decided that she was the perfect illustrator and they had not talked at all about that. I I mean, I, I really believe that like this, this was her book. This, this is her book book. as much as mine. Yep. I mean, it's she that was big magic that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about. It's crazy. It yeah. really is. And so, I mean, I think it shows, you know, in, in the final product of this book, I mean, kind of how, how perfect it was that I wrote it and she illustrated it because it really is, um, you know, it's no longer just mine. <laughs> well, I'm going to not give away the ending. I always feel like 
silly saying that out loud because I, I understand that we're talking about picture books, but I also understand the feeling that I get when a book lands and mm-hmm. I experience reading that. And so I want to make sure that I, I, I save that for listeners so that they too can feel the feeling of this book landing. Cause it, Katrina, this, this, this book is beautiful. It's, yeah. it's truly exceptionally beautiful. And I, I said to my wife, who you also know, mm-hmm. I said to Amy, um, she said, Oh, you're talking to Katrina. That's great. How's she doing? Whatever. And I said, Amy, the books that she's publishing are like legitimately good. I think that I'm saying that mm-hmm. sort of sheepishly from the sense of like, you know, your friend is in a band and you like want to go right. to their concert because they're your friend, your friend's publishing books and you want to support them because they're your friend. Um, Katrina, you make, you make beautiful books. Oh, why? You, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm really, I, I, I think it's, it's neat to know. Uh, I guess I could say it this way. This sounds just very personal. So sorry for isolating the audience <laughs> in this, but, but I feel like you know, every book needs to find its reader. And I feel yeah. really grateful to, to not only be your friend, but it to be the kind of reader for now you seem to be writing for. I feel like that yeah. connects me with all of these other readers. And then when I'm reading to children and they are connecting with this with these books, it feels really neat because I feel like, yeah, but that means then that you're gonna you're gonna really like my friend Katrina. Because, because, mm-hmm. because of this connection, like it's a really, it's a really, really wild emotion that I'm experiencing that I'm realizing it, I feel so privileged to know you and to also have this platform to share books and to also especially be in front of children daily reading to them and making these connections. It's just, it was a very, very humbling moment to, to bring us back to ALA. You showed me this book so, so quickly. I think we had <laughs> seconds that we were yeah. looking at it and it was an arc but you had to take it with you because it was the only copy and what all, right. all the things totally fine and i said it's cool we'll reach out to little b well um i'll get a review copy it's fine and i think it was about a week and a half or maybe two weeks after ala happened and so i'm back busy teaching i got a copy of this book i didn't read it for i think another week or two it was probably the end of january that i read it um no it wouldn't have been that was already end of january so it must have been like Two weeks ago, it would have been like right before we set up um, our, our time to talk. Mm-hmm. And I read Grandpa Grumps and I read it cold. I read it just right at, at bedtime. Like, let's read this book. And I was I was so moved by it. It was so beautiful. So moved by it. And so I really do hope that, that the readers that find this book um, and that get that chance to read this book, um, whether it's a child reading it or a, a, a family reading it together or a teacher, a librarian, reading it to a group of children. I hope that you really get to enjoy this moment together uh, because it isn't too much to spoil that, that Yaya does finally smile mm-hmm. and that the thing that causes the connection is a, is a connection that is very, very personal. The spread that I want to share, I was trying to figure out like is there anything i can read from this book without going too far but the the page i want to sit with as we maybe as we walk away from this book for this conversation <laughs> is that it says um the text reads by friday yeah yeah still hadn't smiled this week wasn't turning out like daisy hoped mama why is yeah yeah such a grump he shows love in other ways said mama hmm thought daisy how could I show Yaya love in another way? And what I didn't mm-hmm. catch on the first read, but that I want to give a heads up to people listening, because I know most people are just going to forget that I'm even saying this. So that <laughs> gives me, I feel like I can say it, is that this spread, what's going on in this spread is that Yaya is grumpy, but this spread is over dinner and they're eating spaghetti and meatballs. And Yaya looks not grumpy, it's sort of shifted to disappointment. Disappointment at the food that they're eating. Mm-hmm. And the father who's sitting to Yaya's left, across from Daisy. We're looking over Daisy's shoulders, over her back, because she's looking at mom asking this question. But dad is looking at Yaya and has, to me, the feeling that I, the emotion that I put onto dad's face 
is that it feels like embarrassment, disappointment as well, feeling like this is my dad and I'm not, he doesn't seem to be happy in this moment and I want him to be happy with us. Mm -hmm. And the way that that emotion carries over to your reveal is beautiful. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I love hearing from you, Katrina, your story. And I love hearing your dad's story. It makes me want to hug your dad because I feel like you put your dad in this book (laughs) and Cindy put your dad in this book. And Cindy probably put a lot of her family, not just her grandparents, her grandfathers, but I'm sure Cindy also poured a lot of this, a lot of her family story into this book as well, because books don't just accidentally turn out like this. Um, so, so thank you for what you and what Cindy and what your editor and what little B all together brought to this book to make it what it is and what it will be when readers pick it up and read it for the first time. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to get this book into the hands of readers. I know that as a young child, I would have loved this book. Um, and I know that a lot of readers will see themselves in the book as well. But I think also for every reader, um, it's just a really fun story. Um, and just to be able to go into Daisy's world and, and how um, it was all created and, and to meet Yaya and to to see these interactions between them um, and this relationship develop uh, is really is really something that everyone can relate to. You know, I think yeah. everybody has a grumpy family member or a grumpy friend um, or, a, you know, a relationship that that kind of starts out that way. And then there are barriers to break through. And that's really what's at the heart of this story is is finding connection when you can't rely on words because they don't speak the same language. And so how can you, um, how can you connect when you can't say what it is that you need and, um, and what are the different ways that we can do that? And what are the ways that will resonate with, you know, with both people in the relationship? And I think that's, you know, that's something that every, person in a relationship, whether it's with a sibling or a friend or a family member, um, has to figure out. And so I think that's something that's very universal about this book. Yeah. The sister book that I would put Grandpa Grumps with, as we did with One Hug, the sister book I would put Grandpa Grumps with, I think wouldn't surprise you that it's drawn together by Min Lei and Dan Santat because of that Mm -hmm. same notion of finding a common language when words are not your common language. Yes. And it's funny that you say that because, well, first I, I absolutely loved that book. It's, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's resonant. Um, and that book, I believe it came, it I think it came out, um, right. It might've been right before we submitted this book and I, when I, I think when I saw the announcement that it was coming out, I got an almost like an, oh no, <laughs> um, worry because I thought, oh no, there's, there's a, a book between, a, you know, a grandchild and a grandparent and they're connecting when words fail them. So is there room for my book? And I think what I very happily realized um, in writing is when you write a story that only you can write, it really doesn't matter that there's another grandpa book or there's another hug book out there. You know, um, you know, I would say to everyone who's creating a story and letting that um, stop them, don't. Just find, find the way that you're telling the story most authentically to yourself because, you know, I mean, what if I stopped and I didn't submit this, you know, but we did and, it, and it's very different. Um, and so I think there's, there's enough space on the shelves for every kind of story because there are billions of readers and every reader needs something a little different and um, will latch onto something different. So um, I'm really glad that that story exists and I'm really glad that Grandpa Grumps will exist as well. And 
yes, they can be siblings. <laughs> that was so beautifully said. There, there is, there's, it, yeah, they're not the same book, of course, but this mm-hmm. story to know that if I bring it back to Liz Gilbert, to know that the muse has a way of, of greeting different people. And you're right. Our job, our job is to find how we dance with that muse, how we tell our story and not try to tell someone else's story. And you have done such a beautiful job telling this story. And Cindy has done such a beautiful job helping to tell this story as well. I, I, um, (laughs) I'm really grateful to have had a chance to read it. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you did as well. Um, and I'm glad that it'll be in the world soon. I can't believe it. It's been crazy. (laughs) Well, as you prepare for this book to be out in the world, and as you are thinking about those readers that will read it, I'd love to to bring us to our closing question, uh, which is that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. (laughs) Katrina, is there a message that I could bring to them from you? There is. I would like to say, I see you. And I think you're beautiful. I think you're brilliant. I think you belong in a book. I think you belong as a star of a book. And I think if you don't see yourself as a star in a book, then you need to write that book. Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.